principled living. Everyone say principled living. Give a message a few weeks ago on biblical absolutes, church standards, and personal convictions. Two messages, very helpful messages. That one, if you didn't hear it, if you weren't here, I would just encourage you to go on the website and listen to it, not because the preacher was all that good, but because the message is so helpful in your going around and about in your life today. And here's the other part, principle living. I read about a young minister whose besetting sin was not laziness, but pride and conceit. And he frequently boasted to the church that all the time he needed to prepare a Sunday message was just a few moments that it took for him to walk to the church from the parsonage, which was right next door. Well, ultimately, you can probably guess what the congregation voted to do. They voted to build a new parsonage 20 miles away. You'll laugh about that later. You really will. Well, Jeannie and I live 60 miles away, so I have plenty of time to prepare a message. The idea of right and wrong is one that confronts Christians today. Young people, old people are forced with making decisions every day about right and wrong. And you know what? Our society doesn't give us very good clarity about that, about making those decisions. And sometimes when we think about decisions, there may not be an exact scripture that you can go to to get insight. But the Bible gives us principles. A biblical absolute is a biblical absolute, but there are some things that there may be questions in our mind, but we look to the scriptures and we can find great, great principles on how to make those kinds of decisions. I'd like to tell you that this story I'm about to tell you is a made-up story. Sometimes we need to listen to God very clearly, and his scripture will speak to us very clearly. I had a couple come into my office one time years ago, and they said, They were talking about getting married, but they weren't married, but they were living together, and they were sleeping together. And I said, and they were telling me that. I said, well, why are you doing that? And they said, well, you know, God's really blessed us, and he's blessed our love, and we think it's okay. I said, well, how can you say that? They said, well, we were in our apartment one night, and before we prayed, that if God didn't want us to do that, that he would send someone to knock on our door within 60 seconds. Now, listen, I'd like to tell you that was a made-up story, but it isn't. Listen, people will find reasons to do things that God specifically forbids in the Bible. Don't do that. And listen, I've said this to my congregation many times. Don't pray about things that God has clearly spoken to you about. The Ten Commandments are Ten Commandments, not suggestions. He takes them right to the heart of the matter. Do what God tells you to do. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That might be a general statement, but it should teach us and show us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be lectured about that. The Bible gives clarity about that. Holy Spirit will speak to you and me clearly about our temple, our bodies, what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And when it doesn't, it'll give really good principles about that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will bring clarity to those principles. I'm not the judge. You're not the judge. It's not for you and me to listen to God, to listen to the voice and see how he wants other people to apply these principles. We listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he will show us. I want to share some of those with you this morning very clearly. Number one, the principle of appearance. Everyone say appearance. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. You know that scripture, right? On the positive side, Paul says in Galatians 5.16, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I think that's a pretty broad principle, and it can easily be misused to cover any activity that a person might think is wrong. But listen, if it's used wisely, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, God will help you apply these things in the areas of your life. It will be helpful to you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is good 
at giving us clarity. Let me give you an example of this. This is some years ago. True story. I got a call in my office from a lady. She said, I need, to, I need your advice on, on something. I need your counsel. And I was young enough to think, well, that's really cool. She's calling me for counsel and advice. So here's what she starts. She says, uh, and I should have said, oh, God, help me. And actually, he did. So she said, here's the situation. She said, uh, my boyfriend and I are going to a conference. He's in business. He has a conference. We're going to this city, and we're going to stay in this motel, and we're going to stay in the same room, but we're not going to do anything bad. We're going we're to stay in separate beds and these kinds of things. And, and she said, you know, uh, uh, she's going to talk about it. She said, I'm wondering what you thought about that. What do you think I should do? Well, if you've been in our church... <laughs> very long, and people would ask me, Pastor, what do you think I should do? You'd always know that the first response back is going to be what? What do you think? <laughs> See, before I said it, I went, what do you think? So I said to her, what do you think? And she said, well, you know, uh, it's going to be all right. We're, we're going to be there, and we're not going to do anything, and he's going to do his, go about his business, and I'm going to do some shopping. And, and she went on and kind of talked back and forth, and she said, well, I, I suppose, you know, it could be wrong, it could be interpreted wrong, it could be wrong appearance, and, and I don't want to do that. She went back and forth like this for a long time. When she finally stopped, I said, well, what do you think? What are you going to do? She said, well, I think it could give the wrong appearance, so I'm not going to go. I said, that's a good decision. I said, I commend you on that decision. She ended the conversation as a pastor. Thank you for your wise advice and counsel. You were such a great help to me. She hung up and I said, thank you, Lord, for your help in that situation. She was able to, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, rightly apply the principle of appearance. Can somebody say amen? amen. Wasn't a heavy thing. Wasn't a legalistic thing. It was a good thing. The Holy Spirit is helpful in giving us good advice and good counsel about the, about the principle of appearance. Will this activity, will this thing, could it have the appearance of wrong? If we ask God, he is good at showing us how to apply that principle. Or two, the principle of the weaker brother. Everyone say weaker brother. I'm not going to read all of Romans 14, but there's a scripture here that uh, I'm going to look at in a little bit. But he talks about some things here. Paul said about things he could do legally, things that he shouldn't do. And he said, but if it's going to be taken negatively, he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give in to the weaker brother. So... He puts the responsibility for refraining from questionable behavior on the one who's stronger, on the one who is more mature. So the question is, for you and I, are we the ones who are mature, and are we the stronger brother or sister? I've had husbands and wives sometimes in different situations say, well, you know, I'm a little bit further along than my wife. I'm a little bit farther along than my husband. I, I, I'm, more, I'm more mature spiritually. I'm further along. My advice? taken from Jeannie's dad, Pastor Erickson, then act like it. If you're the mature one, then act like it. I know these things could be easily misunderstood in applying the principle of the weaker brother, but it will give guidance in some of the so-called areas of life. Is it going to be God's way? Is it going to be God's decision? Or does it have to be my way? Will I have enough Christian maturity to defer to someone who is weaker in their walk with the Lord? You ever had a humbling experience? You ever been humbled by something or someone? I read, by the way, where a Jewish student of the Torah said to his teacher, Rabbi, in my opinion, I'm qualified now for ordination as a rabbi. What are your qualifications, said the learned teacher. Students said, well, I've disciplined my body so I can even sleep on the ground out in the cold. I can even eat the grass of the field if I have to. Sometimes I allow myself to be whipped three times a day. 
who wished to learn the teacher replied, Well, do you see that donkey over there? Be mindful that it sleeps on the ground, eats the grass of the field, and is whipped no less than three times a day. So up to the present, you may be qualified to be a donkey, but you're not qualified to be a rabbi. Humbling experiences. Listen, Jeannie and I have three children and nine grandchildren. And you know what? Our kids watch us as they're growing up. They watch our lives. They watch what we say and do. Our grandchildren do. I think they watch even as as they're on their own with their own kids. Sometimes when you slip up, they'll let you know. When you make a mistake, sometimes they'll question you on it. And the question is, how will we then respond to that? I love this little poem by Leslie Hill. I have it on the PowerPoint for you. Parents, you'll get some good out of this. Here's what it says. Lord, who am I to teach the way to my children day by day? so prone myself to go astray. I teach them knowledge, but I know how faint the flicker and how low the candle of my knowledge glow. I teach them power to will and do, but only now to learn anew my own great weakness through and through. I teach them love for all mankind and all God's creatures, but I find my own love lagging far behind. So Lord, if their guide I still must be, let my children clearly see their parents leaning hard on thee. You heard it in the word today. Learn to lean hard on God. Lean hard on his word. And when you make mistakes with your kids or people that are looking up to you, own up to it. So let your prayer be, Lord, help me not to be a stumbling block to the people in my life, people you care about. And even though the Bible may not specifically forbid something and say this is wrong, have enough maturity to say, Lord, if that could hurt somebody that I love or care about, then give me the strength to make a good decision. I think back to my teenage years. You know what? I wasn't very smart. I thought I was, but I wasn't. I have some friends, church friends. We grew up in church. We were Christians. Sometime during the course of our conversation, one time a friend said to me, Hey, Jerry, listen. Let's make a deal. You don't watch my life. I won't watch your life. Don't be a stumbling block to me, and I won't be a stumbling block to you. I said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. How dumb was that? We were already stumbling blocks to each other. Listen, I don't want to be legalistic here, but there are principles that can help in decision-making. Be open to the Holy Spirit and be open to taking on the role of the stronger brother or sister. If there's any question in terms of what we do or what we don't do, let's consider the weaker brother. Amen? We should do that. Number three, the principle of edification. Everyone say edification. I love these scriptures. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to mutual edification. Isn't that a great verse? Therefore, encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. And build each other up even as a fact you are doing. Do you think it's a good idea to build each other up? Do you think it's a good idea to encourage one another? Yeah, absolutely. There are times in our homes when we would interact with our kids. And I know as they grow up as teenagers, it's hard to release them as they start getting into adulthood. And sometimes when, when uh, they would go out and they would say, yeah, if they were here, they would tell you, yeah, I remember that. I would say, well, Christy, you went out with your friends. Make sure you're party righteous. Becky, you're going out with your friends, make sure you're party righteous. Chet, when you go out with your friends, make sure you're party righteous. And then once in a while when Jeannie and I would get a chance to go out, they'd say, hey, mom and dad, party righteous. (laughs) Uh, Christy was pretty smarter. Well, she said, dad, what if I'm faced with a situation where I, I don't know if it's right or wrong? 
I said, well, here's the deal. Ask yourself the old WWJD, what would Jesus do? Pretty spiritual answer, right? She's pretty smart now. She says, Dad, what if I really don't know what Jesus would say or do? I said, well, then make it WWDD. What would Dad say? She said, what if I don't know? I said, then the answer is no. (laughs) Pastor Erickson used to say, when in doubt, don't. If there's a serious question about a choice, is it good for me? Is it edifying? Is it right? The person in the roles that we play, there might be an indication that the Holy Spirit would caution us to be obedient. Isn't that what it's all about, to be a Christian? Listen, if God speaks clearly to you and me, listen to him. And I don't think that's even the issue, if he's speaking clearly. I think he does. I think the issue is, are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? He speaks to you and me if we choose to listen. Does what I say help or build others up? I saw this a few years back, and I I put it up in the PowerPoint for you. Before you speak, think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? People on social media should have that always in front of them all the time, shouldn't they? Do you think that's helpful? I think it's helpful. Does what I say, is it the truth? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Help us to understand, Lord, the direction that you have for our lives. Aren't you glad that God promises wisdom to make good decisions? All we need to do is ask. Ask for wisdom, God said he'll give it. So that's never, never the problem. He always does. How does God speak to you? Do you think he could be speaking to you this morning? Through this frail vessel? About things in your life, things in my life? I think so. Listen, if you come to church with the attitude, God, I want to clearly hear from you this morning. I think you have a word for me today. I think you've got something for me today that will help me in my life and in my relationships. Lord, prepare my heart before I ever walk through the doors of the church to listen to what you had to say to me today. That's a good prayer. Because God is speaking and he's speaking clearly. Number four, the principle of stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have Receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Stewards of God's grace in various forms. That's such a beautiful scripture. His grace. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Because God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He wants us to use our time, our talents, our resources, our finances... For his glory. He wants us to be good stewards of those things. I think sometimes when we think of stewardship, we automatically click to money, right? Ooh, the pastor's going to give a message on stewardship. He wants some money. No. Money's part of it. I read a little article about a farmer who was well known for his generosity. His friends couldn't understand how he gave so much and yet remained able to give even more. We don't understand how you do it, they said. You give far more than the rest of us, yet you seem to have more. The farmer said, that's easy to explain. You see, I keep shoveling to God's bin, and God keeps shoveling to my bin, and he has a bigger shovel than me. We can never outgive God, right, in any area of our lives. We're not going to. John Bunyan, remember that name? He wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. 
He said this a few hundred years ago. A man there was, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. Good stewards of our time, talent, energy, finances, and listen, it's not for you or me to judge others in these areas. We're not the judge. There's decisions, directions from the Holy Spirit. And if you and I listen to God, we're not going to take these to extreme. You can misuse them, but God will always give good direction. Things that you want me to give, ways that you want me to serve. All these things, Lord, what can I do? How can I be used for your glory, for your honor, and reaching out to be a part of God's kingdom work right now? He wants us to be good stewards of all the things that he's given us. Doesn't he, church? Yes, he does. All right, the last one, the principle of decline. Everyone say decline. This is a tougher one. James 4.4. 4. <clears throat> you adulterous people, don't you know that <clears throat> excuse me. Friendship with God means enmity toward friendship with the world means enmity towards God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Jesus is saying that friendship with the world is in opposition to God. Galatians 5.17, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, spirit what is contrary to the flesh. These are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul says there's a war between the flesh and the spirit. What does that mean? I think it means that the direction of man tends to run in a downward spiral when it comes to values and compromise. Let me amplify that for you. If I begin to compromise on the Word of God, maybe in one little area, one little area, if I begin to compromise on a standard or value, the Bible says it'll be, if we look at that process, it'll be much easier to compromise the next time and then the next time. And you keep on declining because each time you compromise, you're going to decline more and more in your walk with the Lord. You're going to be moving downward away from the Lord. Pretty soon you can reach a place where you're not really hearing clearly from God anymore. Then you'll make some really bad decisions that are totally contrary to what God has for you. You understand that this morning? I hope that makes sense to you. We understand it because you've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in a place where we may have compromised or on something that was good or right for us, contrary to what God set for us. Someone once said that what one generation does in moderation, the next generation does in excess. Do you think that's true? I do. Listen, I can think back 25 or 30 years, and so can you. Things that were really unacceptable and bad is pretty acceptable today. Who would have thought that something that was shocking 30 years ago would not be shocking today? Is it all right by worldly standards? you understand that? Listen, God requires us to be good stewards of our time in all these areas. You don't have to watch the media very long, do we, to understand the principle of decline that is set in our society. We need to watch and be careful. Johnny Erickson Tata, that name ring a bell to you? It's a wonderful lady. This is what she said. Though gradually, though no one remembers exactly how it happened, the unthinkable becomes tolerable, then acceptable, then legal, and then applauded. Do you think that's true today? Mm. You can get caught up in the issues of the world. That's why God 
sends periodic revivals to the church and to you and to me to reverse the downward spiral and bring us back into that place of closeness with God. Periodic revivals from God to direct us in the path he wants us to go. Listen, I, I think we're on the same page with God. I think what God wants for us is really what we want as well. Sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we just start moving in a, in a wrong direction. But God will bring us back. He'll do a renewal in our heart and mind. Every day renewing our relationship with God. Listen, what God did for me last week is not sufficient for what God wants to do for me this week. The word of God that I put into my heart last week is not sufficient for the word of God that I need in my heart this week. I can't come to church on a Sunday morning and say, well, I, I got the word. That'll, that'll hold me over. For Listen, if I... If I if I treated my relationship with God like some people, or if I treated my relationship with if I treated my relationship with my wife sometimes like I might treat my relationship with God, we wouldn't have a very good relationship. Yeah, we had a great conversation three weeks ago. That'll hold us over for a few weeks. That yeah, sounds stupid and ludicrous, and it is. But sometimes that's how we look in terms of our relationship with the Lord. I don't want to be a stranger with God. I want to be up to date in my relationship with Him. And the way to do that is to be in the Word of God every day. And before you start the day and when you end the day, ask God to be right in the middle of your life to guide you and direct you and help you and motivate you and empower you. I guarantee you that he will do that. Lord, send a renewal, send a revival into my life. Even the psalmist said, Lord, will you not revive us again? Lord, revive us. Help me to come to you, to stand for the word of God. Give me a desire to draw closer to you and to your word, a love and a passion. Bible says heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. How important is it? Whew. It's important. It's important. Listen, we need, we're going to give an account someday of the decisions that we've made. And you know, that used to scare me as a Christian. But you know what? God begins to impart a truth more clearly than he ever has. Listen, you, you walk into the sanctuary and you, you look at the, at the cross up there. And that's symbolic of something. And we know that the real cross that Jesus died on was not quite as nice looking as that cross, don't we? That's why we sing the song at certain times, the old rugged cross. One day Jesus hung on that old rugged cross, and he bore in his body the sins of all mankind. He shed his blood. His body was broken for your sin and mine. We, we focused on that in, communion, in our communion today. The Bible says when you and I make a commitment of our lives to Jesus, we ask him to forgive our sins. The Bible says he does that, and he washes them away totally, completely, whiter than snow. He puts them as far away, the Bible says, as the east is from the west. We have a harder time doing that than God does. Aren't you glad that God does that in your heart and life? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He forgives, and he still forgives. We're going to stand before him one day, and it's not going to be on our merit and our goodness. It's going to be because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we accepted that sacrifice, and we asked him to forgive our sins and to come into our heart and take control of our lives. A colleague of mine posted this a few years back in his blog. 
He said, Michael Bloomberg must be pretty smart. You can't be dumb and make a billion dollars, a feat that he's accomplished 33 times over. He's the 11th richest person in America and the 16th wealthiest, wealthiest person in the world. He also served as New York City mayor for three terms. The Wikipedia entry gives a long list of his accomplishments. And evidently, my pastor friend said, you can be a millionaire or a billionaire and still be clueless. This is what he said. This is what Bloomberg said in a recent interview. I'm telling you that if there's a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Mr. Bloomberg may be a billionaire, but he's clueless about going to heaven, folks. He's only right about one thing, by the way. It's not even close. He's not as good as he thinks he is, and he's a much greater sinner than he has imagined. But he speaks for many people who think they can earn their way into heaven. Listen, the only way to heaven is to admit that you don't deserve to go there. And you confess that because of your sins, you deserve hell. And cast yourself on the mercy of Jesus, who loved you and died for you and paid the price for your sins when he died on the cross. I love what Romans 4 says, Now to the one who works, pay is not considered as a gift, but as something to earn. That's the Bloomberg plan. Verse 5, to the one who does not work, who believes in him, who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. That's God's plan. So we have a choice, don't we? Bloomberg's way or God's way? Listen, we, we live in tough times, dark times. We need to be alert. We need to be praying and keeping our eyes open and looking for opportunities. The world is lost. And in many ways, I think they know it. They understand it. They're looking for an answer. Direction, acceptance, love. You and I have an answer. You and I have the exact answer that they need, don't we? We're just vessels. We need to say in some way, shape, or form, Lord, in many ways, I may be an unworthy vessel, but if you will use me, if you'll send people across my path, I'll know that it's you and I'll give them an answer. I'll share Jesus Christ. I'll share your heart. I'll share your love. And I'll try with the help of the Holy Spirit to direct them in the way to eternal life. Amen? God gives us, Lord, give us the wisdom to apply the principles of his word in every day of our lives. God has a great plan and purpose for your life, and it's not over. I don't care how young you are or how old you are, God still has a plan for your life. It's always a time, there's always a place where you can start over if you've blown it. Aren't you glad that God gives us another chance? If we confess our sins, God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. From most unrighteousness? From what? All unrighteousness. Thank God for that. Thank God. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Just with your heads bowed for a moment and silently thinking about what God has been saying to you. I hope these principles were helpful to you and they will be in, in time to come as you face decisions every day that you would sense the direction of the Holy Spirit and ask God and he will give you wisdom in making decisions. I know God will do that. My concern this morning is for those who thought that the Bloomberg way is the way to live their lives. And I tell you on the authority of God's word, it is not. You'll never get to heaven on works. 
You'll never be good enough. You'll never do enough good things to merit eternal life. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who paid the price, shed his blood for your sins and mine. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Listen, there's many of you, I know many of you, I don't really know all that well. But if you're here today and you've heard God's word, and you know what he's been saying, I would just ask that if you want to ask him into your life, into your heart, if you want to commit your life to him once and for all, maybe you haven't made that decision, there's been some confusion about it, but I'd just like to remember you in prayer as I close the service today. I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand until I see it. You can put it and say, Pastor, pray for me. I went, yeah, I see your hand, sir. You can put it down. Someone else. It's going to wait a couple minutes, or not even a couple minutes, just a couple seconds. If you, have, if you haven't made that decision, you can make that now. Father God, what a, what a great God that you are. What an amazing God that you are. Before we were ever created, the Bible says you loved us. You knew us in our mother's womb and you had a plan for our lives even then. But Lord, the ultimate demonstration of that plan starts when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart and into our life. And I pray, Lord, if there's any others, anyone that's here that haven't really made that decision and say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. I receive you now. I receive your forgiveness. I've blown it so many times, Lord. But I know that you forgive me. And I pray you'd come in and take control of my life. Let your word come alive in my life. And from this day forward, I want to serve you with everything I've got. Body, soul, and spirit, committing my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. And someday I'll see you face to face. And what a day that will be <laughs> when our Jesus we shall see. Amen, church? What a day that will be. We're going to uh, close the service here with some worship songs. And uh, we have some trained altar workers. And I'm going to ask if they'd come forward here as we sing this first worship song. And if you want prayer, if you want and need God to do something in your life, you come and let these people pray for you. You believe. You take your faith and combine it with their faith. And let's see what God can do in your life. We'll do a couple worship songs while the prayer is going on, and then you can be dismissed, church. Amen.